Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. So Nick asked me if I would be willing to preach, and there wasn't a passage or anything, which is terrifying. Um, But I asked God if there was something that he wanted to say to us. And this is what I feel like collectively in the last year and a half, we've been in a season of lamenting. Uh, For big things, for little things, um, I know for me personally, uh, Patrick and I got married the day after stay-at-home orders went into effect. And so our 180-person wedding had to get canceled, and we had 30 people in Nick's backyard uh, and a grocery store cake. So um, for the next few months of marriage, we had stacks of Amazon boxes from everything that was supposed to be at our reception just sitting in the corner of our apartment. And finally, we're like, we have to get these out of here. It is too sad. <laughs> so we did. We took them out. We put them in the garage. And we had a wonderful wedding. And still, I see those um, glow sticks, and I think it could have been awesome. Um, so for you know a variety of reasons, we're all lamenting things. And I just felt this conviction that the Lord wanted to bring us into a season of abundance. And at the very least, a season of recognizing that we're already in a season of abundance. It's not a future reality, it's a present one. Um, and so I'm going to talk about our inheritance as children of God. So if you weren't here last week, Matt Martinez came and he preached about our identity as the church. And I feel the conviction that we can't effectively be the church of God in a hostile world if we don't know what it means to be children of God first. And so I want to talk about that today. Um, And inheritance is a weird uh, word um, and a weird concept. So I am an orphan. I'll just get that out right now because I'll I'll bring it up. I'm an orphan. When I was nine, my dad passed away. When I was 16, my mom passed away. Um, And recently, my dad's last surviving parent, uh, my grandma Pat, uh, passed away in November. And a few months after that, I get a call from an uncle who I never talked to, and he says, hey, quick question. If I were going to send you money, would you want it cash or or chat, like, well, how would you want it? And I was like, what are you talking about? And yeah, I was like, send me a a briefcase full of ones, please. Like, that would be awesome. Um, And I was very confused. And he said, well, since your grandparents have passed and since your dad has passed, you get your dad's portion of the inheritance, you and your siblings. And I was confused and not sure what to say, and I called Patrick, and I was like, Patrick, my uncle called, and it's enough money to pay off my student loans. And he was like, this is awesome. So after 10 years of spending probably a quarter of my paycheck on student loans, I paid them off in one day, okay? And it's not because of anything I did. I was just born, you know? Like, I didn't even ask for that. So um, I I just want to tell you guys, you have, and even more so, and I want to talk about this too, because here's the thing with that inheritance. My dad's gone. 
and my grandparents are gone. And the inheritance that we have in Christ doesn't just clear our debts, it brings us into abundance, but it doesn't just do that, we have Christ still. He's not gone. So I wanna talk about that. And um, we're gonna look at the messiness of the promise of inheritance today um, in a story from the Old Testament, Genesis 16. And it's super long, so I'm gonna paraphrase. Um, And I'll just read my paraphrase here, and then it's going to be up on the screens as well. So, Genesis 16. In Genesis, we see that God has given Abraham and Sarah a promise that he would bless them with a child, okay, who would be the father of a great nation. After a decade, so God promised a decade passed, Sarah became frustrated that God did not fulfill his promise of a son, So she took matters into her own hands. She asked Abraham to marry her servant, Hagar. So Abraham wed Hagar and had a child with her. And Hagar was filled with pride because she was able to bear a child and her master wasn't. And so she mocked Sarah. um, And this offended Sarah. She asked Abraham to kick Hagar out of the camp. Abraham left the decision up to Sarah. I would do that too, like, don't want to get involved in that drama. (laughs) And decided not to intervene in this increasingly difficult situation regarding his barren first wife and his pregnant slave turned second wife. Sarah dealt harshly with Hagar, and Hagar actually ran away. And then we'll pick up in verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur, And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so they cannot be numbered for multitude. So she called out and named this God she encountered. She said, you are a God of seeing. Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Hagar returned and gave birth to her son, who was named Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when he had his first child. 24 years, we're going to pick up 14 years later in Genesis 21. 24 years after the original promise, Sarah had a son with Abraham, and they named him Isaac. At this point, Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90, and they raised Isaac according to God's command. Isaac grew, and Abraham celebrated, but when Isaac was around three or four, Sarah saw Ishmael, the slave's son, mocking him, and again became angry and demanded that Abraham cast Hagar and Ishmael away. This upset Abraham because he loved his son, but the Lord reminded him of his promise to Abraham and his descendants. So we'll pick up in verse 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put her child under one of the bushes. Then she went away and sat down opposite him a good way off about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, 
What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. I'm gonna pray for us. Um, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for being here. I ask that uh, you would help us submit ourselves to you and to your spirit. Open our ears to hear and our eyes to see what you're doing this morning. And we submit this all to you. So we're going to look at uh, Abraham and Sarah, who I'm going to refer to as the blessed, and then Hagar, who is the bondservant. And these different characters reveal to us a couple key aspects of what we inherit as children of God. So Abraham and Sarah reveal this to us. And this is our reality, guys. Listen to this. Abraham and Sarah show us that we inherit relationship with a faithful God, and we inherit access to the power of life. Okay, so let's talk about this relationship with a faithful God. Um, when I was a kid, my mom told me, for your birthday, I'm going to buy you a horse. And I'm not even a horse girl, but I was excited. You know, like that's just objectively so exciting. A horse, like a whole horse, that's a, not a little one. Like it was so cool. And so I went to school and I told the yard duty. Of all, that says a lot about me. I didn't have a lot of friends my age. Um, I just hung out with the yard duty and I'm like, hey, Karen, um, my, my mom said she's getting me a horse. She's like, that's nice. Um, but I told everybody for years, but my birthday passed year after year. And I'm like, for my birthday, my mom's getting me a horse. And they're like, she said that five years ago. And I mean, I'm turning 30 this year and I don't have a horse. Hint at, <laughs> no, I don't want a horse. It's a lot to take care of. Um, but I was, I was, when I wised up in junior high that this thing was never happening, I was so sad. I was like, I'm not I'm not getting a horse. Now I have to go back and tell Karen <laughs> at the elementary school, hey, yard duty, my mom's not actually getting me a horse. I don't know about you guys, if you feel like you've had a promise that was never fulfilled. Maybe it's like Sarah and Abraham, the promise for a child, and, and that's devastating. Maybe it's the promise of a relationship, and, and it hasn't been fulfilled, and that's devastating. And for Abraham and Sarah, they waited 24 years. I mean, she was 90. Okay, I'm turning 30. And if I get pregnant in five years, 35, it's called a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> like, isn't that so rude? They, they actually don't say geriatric anymore. They say that you're a woman of advanced age. And I'm like, well, Sarah was like 90. I can't even believe it. Uh, Pat's, Pat's grandma just celebrated her 100th birthday, which is amazing. Like, absolutely amazing. Grandma Louise just turned 100. She's actually turning 101 in October. So um, she's climbing, climbing up the ranks there. But I'm, oh, I, I'm envisioning sitting there at her little house, and like a 10-year-old walks out and says, hey, mom. And I'm like, that would just be mind-blowing, you know? Just like, I, I don't understand. Um, and here's the deal, like they waited for a decade 
and then took matters into their own hands, which I would totally do. Like, I would do that. I would probably pick up a kid on the street and be like, you're my son now. Like, that's what God wants. I have a kid, right? He promised a son. He promised an heir. He promised a baby boy. And a decade went by. And then not only that, 14 years went by. 20 years went by. 24 years went by. And I have to ask, how many of you guys have hoped and waited? How many of you guys have pleaded with God? I know that I have. Um, A few years ago, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, and I pray fervently that God would heal me, that I don't have to take medication anymore. I pray for, I've prayed for years, waiting to be made whole. And it's agonizing. And what Abraham and Sarah show us is that we have relationship with a faithful God. Hey, God promises this woman, Sarah, 65, a child. Like I said, they take matters into their own hands. And even when they do that, do you know what God says to them? He says, I've chosen you. He re-ups his covenant with them and says, I'm serious about this. I'm here. And my promises are yes and amen. And you guys, we inherit that same relationship as children, chosen children of a faithful God. And this is a reality that Abraham and Sarah missed, and I will be the first to admit that I miss it too, daily. And this is what Henry Nouwen has to say about our status as, as those who are blessed. The feeling of being blessed is not, it seems to me, the feeling that we generally have about ourselves. In fact, I suspect that many people suffer from a deep sense of being cursed. Many people feel like victims of a world we cannot change. The sense of being cursed often comes more easily than the sense of being blessed, and we can find enough arguments to feed it. We can say, look what is happening in the world. Where? Where is the blessing? And still I say to you, as the beloved Son of God, you are blessed. Good words are being spoken to you and about you, Words that tell the truth, the curses, noisy, boisterous, loud mouth as they may be, do not tell the truth. Now, about six years ago, I prayed to God and I said, can you just please, I'm like, postgraduate from college, the world is a wild place at that point. God, give me some promises I can hold on to. And he said, very clearly, I promise to restore in you what it means to be a sister. And I thought, this is great. For my whole life, my relationship with my siblings has been strained. I'm super excited. And so I was like, I wonder how he's going to do this. I wonder how he's going to, you know, like maybe my brother Max and I are going to play catch. Like this is going (laughs) to, my sister likes to sew. Maybe I'll suddenly be good at sewing. Like this is awesome. Um, And I'll have to tell you that didn't happen. Um, But what happened is God brought us a couple really incredible women into my life 
One of them is now my actual sister by marriage. And one of them walked me down the aisle at my wedding. And I, will, I look at them and know that I'm a sister. That's true about my identity. And it took six years, and it was in a way I did not even imagine. And it is such a blessing. And I count myself blessed for that. I can't see I'm crying. <laughs> All right, see, I'm, I'm weepy. Um, but here we go, that's, oh, <laughs> I knew it. I honestly was gonna go out and get a box of tissues, and I was like, Syl and I will share, but she, she brought her own <laughs> rookie mistake. Um, all right. But not only that, we don't, just act, or we don't just have access to a relationship with a faithful God. We have access to the power of life. Okay, and I want to talk about that. The story of Abraham and Sarah reveals a truth to us. We don't just know a faithful God who fulfills his promises. We are loved by a God who grants us access to that same life-giving power. That's what's true about us. Okay, because what happened is when she was 90, a child did come from her. When she was 90, the promised heir came. When Abraham was 100, he had the baby boy he had been pleading for. And I can only imagine every, I mean, Sarah, when she heard God say, no, like in the next year, she's going to be pregnant. She just stood in the corner and laughed. <laughs> she's like, that, that's wild. Like, that's not going to happen. And the angel said, why did you laugh? And she's like, I didn't laugh. No, like, yeah, God, God can do whatever he wants. But a year later, the angel came back and Sarah's belly was brimming with life. And we have access to that same power. And what does that look like for us? Well, Here's like a silly story. Uh, so one of my roommates was like a really powerful prayer warrior. And I just thought, well, she's just like so, like you can't just pray for a hairband and then you're walking. You're like, oh, a hairband. Thanks, God. Like that just seems so audacious. That's outrageous. But then I was like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try it. And so I didn't have a job. I moved out of my family's house because, of course, when you don't have a job, you move out on your own, you know, it's like a wise thing to do. Um, and I just every day prayed. I said, God, by October, like my savings will run out in October. By October 1st, give me a job. Just give me a job. I prayed every single day. And on the last day of September, I had a job interview. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll let you know. And I was like, when will you let me know? And they were like, if you go sit out in the lobby, we'll let you know today. And I was like, all right. So I sat there. And God's like, check your calendar. Because I, who, what, who knows the last day of September? I don't even know. So I checked, my, <laughs> I checked my calendar. I was like, oh, my gosh, tomorrow's October 1st. And they walked out and said, yeah, you're hired. And I was, like, I was amazed. And I was like, well, this kind of works. Like, I could just pray for things, and that's not really how it works. He's not a vending machine, right? But I, 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 it spurred in me this ridiculous thing to pray for, and it spurred in me this faith. And 
a few months later, I was like, I want to redecorate like my kitchen and be more organized. I want to make something that you hang uh, mugs up on, and it requires like a piece of wood, I guess, and some nails. I don't know what size wood or what kind of wood. So I prayed. I said, God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't have a dad. Like, I don't know who to ask these questions. God's my dad. I'll ask him. God, like, I don't know what size wood to use. I don't know the thickness. Can you just give me free wood? And a few weeks later, I'm driving down the road with my roommate, and I, sa- I grab her arm, which you shouldn't do when someone's driving, and I say, stop the car. <laughs> And she said, what happened? And I said, God's answering my prayer right now. (laughs) Pull over. And she's like, I don't, okay. She pulls over. And I kid you not, guys, this was a weird one. On the side of the road, next to a street light, down Associated, that hill, like why is it even there? Who knows? But I lived off Associated. There was a piece of wood that said free across the front. And I was like, God left that for me. My roommate's like, what? And I was like, God left that for me. Like, we can pray to God, and he will answer our prayers. And sometimes the answer will be, sure. And sometimes the answer will be, like with my depression, not right now. Or maybe the answer to that prayer is, no. And, and, and you know why I can be okay with that? Because I have a relationship with a faithful God. And that's what we access. And because of this, our identity as children of God is blessed. We are blessed. And we're not just blessed. This one's kind of a harder one for me sometimes, but we're bond servants too. That's who we are. But that comes with its own inheritance. Okay, so we're going to talk about that through, through Hagar, the bond servant. But sorry, I skipped something. Um, what does this look like for us, guys? I want to give you some encouragement here. You can pray for healing. The other day I felt God say, pray for, pray for healing. Somebody's leg is injured. And I'm like, I don't do that kind of stuff. Um, and he's like, no, do it. And I did. And I don't know what happened. But you can pray for healing because, because of this. Say in your mind even before that, I know a faithful God who gives me access to the power of life. And because of that, I will pray for this. You can pray for transformation. The kind of transformation that people didn't even dream of. A few years ago in my relationship with Patrick, my therapist told me, your relationship's over. You need to get out. And I said, I'm going to ask for a second opinion. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you do that with the doctors, right? (laughs) So I went to Val and Sean. They didn't tell me that. They said, we serve a faithful God, and we will pray for this. Patrick and I are help. I kind of want to go back to that therapist. Just be like, hey, this is my husband, Patrick. You remember? (laughs) Pray for transformation, guys. Pray for restoration. Pray for peace. I'm still praying that the promise God spoke over me six years ago about sisterhood will apply to my brother and sister. I'm still praying that. Okay, pray for audacious things. Okay, all right, so through Hagar the bondservant, we see that we also inherit relationship with a present king and access to the well of life. I want to say that. With the, as the blessed, we inherit relationship with a faithful God 
and access to the power of life. And as bond servants, we inherit relationship with a present king and access to the well of life. So Hagar, it, her, she's just, it's amazing. Hagar's the first person in the Bible who names God. And she's an Egyptian slave, female Egyptian slave. That's so countercultural. It's wild. And she sees God. That's not her God. That's not the God of her culture. And says, surely you are a God of seeing. This is the God who knows me and cares for me. And what happens here is um, she's, what's the name she ascribes to God, the God of seeing, points to two things about God's presence. He sees us. And what is even you know, more insane is he allows us to see him. He grants us access to his presence. And A.W. Tozer says of God, we need never shout across the spaces to an absent God. He is nearer than our own soul. He is closer than our most secret thoughts. And what Hagar experiences is a God who is incarnate, a God who is with her and who sees her, a God who is near to us and calls us near to him. So as I mentioned before, my dad passed away when I was nine, and I spent a decade being so mad at God. Like, oh, you're supposed to be everywhere. What, why couldn't you have stopped that? Like, you have so much power. You could speak and create life. Surely you could have done something about that. Where were you? And I very vividly remember God saying to me, I was with him as he took his last breath just as I am with you right now. I never left. I was there. And that blew me away because I had to realize that the God who knit my father together in his mother's womb was with him as he took his last breath. Can you imagine the agony that God experienced? But can you imagine the comfort that my dad must have experienced? being so close to God. And I will tell you, after spending a decade of being mad at God, when I heard him say that to me, I felt so much comfort knowing that I serve a God who is present. And it's in proximity to God that he comforts us, but it's also in proximity to God that he convicts us. Do you know what he said to Hagar? He said, go back. Go back to that situation. That's what I have planned for you. Submit again to the authority of Sarah. That's what I have planned for you. Raise your son there. That's what I have planned for you. We get comfort in knowing that we are blessed Hagar got comfort in knowing that she would be blessed with descendants if she trusted God. And she also got conviction to make the trek back. You know, she was walking towards her home. She was walking towards Egypt. She turned around and went back. 
And I can only imagine that the only way she was able to do that is because she knew God would be present with her the whole way. And that's what we have as children. She walked back in the knowledge that God saw her. And she was able to do what she thought was impossible. You guys, this isn't a prosperity gospel when we talk about inheritance. I'll tell you that job that I got miraculously from God, I hated it. (laughs) It was awful. It was such a terrible job. Oh my gosh, but I needed it. I need like what was I going to do? How was I going to pay my rent? I knew God wanted me to be, to be on my, you know, living out of my family's house. And I felt this conviction. I was like, God, I just want to quit. And he's like, no, I called you there. How else do you explain it? I called you there. And, and what he convicted me to do, I'll never for, forget because I don't, I mean, like, I'm kind of stubborn. So I'm like, fine, I'll do it. But he said, pray for, pray for that business. I was like, but I hate them. He's like, but pray for them. And so I did. I started praying for their prosperity as a business. I started praying that we would be encouraged by, you know, it was a sales job. Um, Praying that we'd be encouraged by our sales numbers, that it would create positivity in the workplace. I prayed that every day that I worked. And then that month, we were first in the area in our sales numbers. And everyone was so freaking excited. And I was like, I mean, my sales numbers aren't great, but I did that, you know. (laughs) Um, No, I didn't say that. I silently sat there listening to the announcement. You guys, for the first time in our location's history, we're first in the area in our sales number. And everyone cheering. And I just was like, wow. It's in proximity with a present God that I'm comforted and convicted. And Matt told us last week, we're to be exiles. And it is so hard to be exiles in this world. But it's in the proximity of a present God that we can be comforted and convicted. Convicted to walk in kingdom-minded ways. Convicted to pray for people or situations that we don't want to be in or we don't want to pray for. In this incarnate God, Hagar encounters in the wilderness, it's the same God we encounter. The God who's infinitely present in the face of our frailty. The God who's infinitely present in the face of our suffering. And then the last one here, we get access to the well of life. So not only does Hagar point to a present king, she gives a foretaste of this well of living water. It's actually referenced throughout the scripture. So in, it's, it's a foreshadow to John 4, when Jesus go, is at the well and this uh, Samaritan woman walks up. And you know at that time, the worst thing you could do to a Jew was call them a Samaritan. Like they hated each other. And she walks up and Jesus says to her, could you get me some water? She says, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. Like, you know that. And it's incredible. He says to her, everyone who drinks of this water, he's talking about the well of living life. life. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Okay. And this is our story. 
that we have access at this well of life, we find restoration. I mean, Ishmael was, Hagar left him there because she didn't want to see her son die. And she brought him water after God revealed the well to him, to her, and her son lived. And generations came from him. And it's, it's the same access to a well of life that we've been granted. And the incredible thing about the well of life, like I said, it brings restoration. It brings community. It brings hope. And knowing that we get a drink from that well of life should encourage us to invite people in. Because in Christ, the dividing walls of hostility are torn down. We can invite people in. I have this kind of wild story. So in 1692, this is a true story about my family. 1692, it's a long time ago, but I know this because when my grandma retired, she started doing family tree stuff. She told me this. 1692, your ancestor was named Bartholomew Gedney. Nice, weird name, cool. He was a judge in the Salem witch trials. Isn't that wild? She told me never to tell anyone. Um, (laughs) And I was like, not only am I telling everybody, (laughs) like, that's so cool. Because I teach the crucible, I'm a teacher. So I tell every, I've told hundreds, literally hundreds of people this. (laughs) She would be mortified. But my roommate, Maddie, her ancestor died in a Salem jail, accused of being a witch in the Salem witch trials. And Maddie walked me down the aisle at my wedding. And I just reflect on that. And I'm like, this is generational restoration. That's only possible through the well of life that God grants us access to. Generational restoration. And here's the deal. The well's also in Revelation. This is what is being told to you. This is also what's being told to people who don't know God. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And when I was younger, I thought, you know, like, I, I, I just ask little things from God. And he convicted me one time. He said, you drink from the well of life with a little coffee straw. I want you to grab a big gulp. Like, it doesn't run dry. Don't be scared. Don't have this sense of of debt. Your debt has been paid, and you've been welcomed into abundance. And that's what Hagar shows us. This is what we inherit when we submit to the authority of this king when we serve him by obeying his commandment, and when we sit with him at the well. The last thing here, there's another character in this story who's essential, and that's the bridegroom. And he's throughout this narrative, okay? He's crucial to the truths that we experience as children of God, you guys. It's through relationship with the bridegroom that we inherit our true identity as blessed bondservants. And when we identify as blessed bondservants, please know what we're saying is, I inherit relationship with a faithful God and a present king. And I have been granted unwarranted access to the power of life and to the well of life. And that is the abundance that we walk into. That is the abundance that we claim. 
just like I had to claim my grandma's inheritance, I had to say, yeah, I'll take it. Um, Here's my information. We have to claim our inheritance in Christ. And there is an empty grave that has proven that we are children. There is a blood-stained cross that has proven that we have been adopted into eternity, that our inheritance is sealed. We have a new identity that's truer than our past. It's truer than our sin. It's truer than our doubt. It's truer than the current suffering that you might be experiencing. It's through relationship with the bridegroom that we find we are blessed by a faithful Christ, that we are granted access to his power of life, his resurrection power. It's true for us. And it's through relationship with the bridegroom that we find we are bondservants to a loving, gentle, and gracious Christ. All of the promises of God find their yes in Christ. All of them. The ones that God spoke to you 20 years ago, they find their yes in Christ. You just have to look at his person. You just have to look at what he's done. So I'll tell you guys, I told you about my major depressive disorder. Sometimes it's really rough. Like, I have some really dark days. And what I started doing is saying, I'm in the presence of a loving king right now. That will never change. I'm in the presence of a faithful God right now. And I have access to the power of life in this moment. And letting that reality sink in. And it doesn't heal me, but it comforts me. And it allows me to keep going. And it convicts me. It helps me to, tr- to train my emotions. They're not God. And they're not always the realest thing. Even when they're hard, I can say that to my emotions, right? When we're in a really difficult job, we remind ourselves that in God we have access to life-giving power that equips us to be a peacemaker, that equips us to be gracious with the people around us. I want to challenge you guys to lay hold of all that God has given to us as our inheritance. Because what we inherit as children impacts us in our daily life and equips us to witness to others that we serve a powerful God in a world that can be difficult and hostile and full of suffering and full of negativity, we serve a, a powerful God, a God who knows us. The first thing that we're going to do um, as we head back into worship and band, you can come up. Like I said before, guys, I had to claim my inheritance in the flesh. We have to claim our inheritance as children. And it is only by understanding who we are as children that we can effectively be the church. So here's what I want you to reflect on. What portion of your inheritance do you need to spend time reveling in today? Is it reveling in the fact that you're deeply known by a faithful God? Is it reveling in the fact that you are granted sure access to the power of life? I want to invite you to revel 
The second thing I want uh, for you to do is to reflect on this. In what ways is God calling you to participate in the reality of this inheritance? What does it mean for you to participate in this well of life, in the power of life, to participate in the mercy of God shown through his presence and his faithfulness? Maybe God's prompting you to participate by praying for audacious things, those things you're a little bit embarrassed to to pray about. Maybe God's prompting you to participate by proclaiming this power of life over your brothers and sisters. Again, I'm just going to go into some prayer, and we'll we'll go back into the musical uh, portion of worship, but what portion of your inheritance do you need to spend time reveling in? What portion of your inheritance is God inviting you to participate in? Lord, we thank you. We thank you because you're faithful. We thank you because you're good. We're thankful. We thank you because you brought us into abundant life. We submit to you and to your will. Encourage us. Convict us. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.